The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water. And I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. There's something about poetry that wakes us up to deeper truths. When we are prepared to receive it, hearing a poem can be like waking up to God all around us. And so poetry can be an instrument for encountering the divine. So it's my hope and prayer that we can all wake up a little more to the presence of God in our lives through this series, Poetic Imagination. You may love the various forms of poetry we explore in the coming weeks. You may be completely uninterested. You may not care either way. But I invite you to take it all in stride with open hands anyway. I invite you to set aside any prior assumptions you might have and allow this season of poetry to mean something to you whatever it may need to mean or be in this season, even if it's just that you check it off as another tool in your spiritual toolbox for later use. I hinted at it earlier, but I've loved poetry since I was a kid. And it all started when my second grade teacher introduced it to us in English class. I still remember the first poem I wrote. Ask me later. I'll tell you. Soon after that moment, I decided that I was going to be a poet when I grew up. And so at eight years old, I got to it designating a special notebook just for my original works. I began taking walks outside to become immersed in nature, the obvious muse, right? I even got special permission to climb up on a ladder onto the roof of our one-story home because clearly a nice view of the neighborhood would inspire great poetry. But sadly, I'll never forget the day my older sister dashed my hopes and dreams when she told me that I couldn't be a poet for a living and that poets are only successful after they are dead. I changed course on my career goals after that, <laughs> but I never quit reading and occasionally trying my hand at writing poetry. I am not an expert on poetry by any means. I am simply an admirer of it. I think I am a decent student of it because poetry has taught me many things about writing sermons, about life, love, but mostly about God. In my own limited experience, I have found that it is incredibly relevant to the life of faith. And I have learned that poetry is for the taking. I am invited to the beauty of its table. You are invited. We have permission to pull up a chair and feast, 
to receive it, explore it, even write about it. And reading and writing and hearing poetry can be a spiritual practice for all of us because it's a powerful medium for connecting to God. I think this is why the great poet and mystic Walt Whitman, who is printed in your worship guide for the meditative quote, defined poetry in the way that he did. He said, like religion, love, nature, while those terms are indispensable and we all give a sufficiently accurate meaning to them, in my opinion, no definition that has ever been made sufficiently encloses the name poetry. And when you think of it this way, so much can be received as a poem, especially as it relates to our faith. Even just looking at today's service, there was spoken word, yes, but there was song, there was tize, there was litany. Each element on its own could be defined as a poem, but regardless, together they create a poetic rhythm that invite us to slow down, to become thoughtfully engaged in the present moment, and to not just look, but to really see what is already true, which is the presence of God in our midst. At its core, poetry is artistic writing, writing that will stir our imaginations, our emotions. With poetry, everything can have meaning, everything significant, the language, the arrangement, the sound, the rhythm, even the spaces between the words or the silence between the lines, the wide of the page, it can all mean something. And there's normally not just one way to interpret it. You can read the same poem again and again throughout various seasons of life and take something away different every single time. Which makes me think that approaching poetry is not so different from approaching the Bible. And like the words of scripture, poetry has a way of inviting us into communion with the divine because it speaks to our depths in ways that words just normally don't do. We can find a relationship between the Bible and poetry very easily because, in fact, the Bible is full of lots and lots of poetry, right? The Psalter being our largest and most obvious example. There are 150 poems in the book of Psalms alone. But poetry is also sprinkled throughout Scripture along with and woven into all the other genres. And so whether we're reading narrative or law or songs or prophecy or apocalyptic material, all come together as a poem speaking abundantly into our lives in ways that only poetry can do. In scripture, like in poetry, we see structure and rhythm. We see tone along with careful attention to detail and order. We see repetition alongside an ever-present element of mystery. Part of what draws me to poetry is that it is a kindred spirit with mystery and with silence. There's a world of meaning in a poem, but you have to be okay with its unique and sometimes uncomfortable rhythm. You have to also be okay with silence because you can't rush a poem. And you can't be lazy with it either. Receiving it in fullness takes both work and patience. The same is true for approaching scripture. Receiving it in fullness takes both work and patience, right? And it helps to read it slowly. 
It helps to read it aloud. It helps to listen to it. This is why we practice Lectio Divina as often as we do. It literally means divine reading. It's a poetic way to receive the written word, a way that will spark our imagination and our creativity, a way that will breathe new life into an otherwise ancient text. When we approach the Bible this way, when we receive it as we would a poem, we discover an invitation to interpret. With both poetry and scripture, we are expected to become active participants. This is why we find it worthwhile to do a whole month of talking about poetry. And every week will be different. We won't talk about, this week we're talking about the Bible. Next, I mean, every week is going to be a different outlook on it. This is why we find it worthwhile. Poetry has things to teach us. It's kind of like that wipe on, wipe off bit from Karate Kid, you know, the dish towel, wipe on, wipe off, and yet somehow he's becoming really good at his practice. Every time we read or listen to a poem, we become more practiced at reading the Bible. We become more practiced at engaging with God. We become more practiced in our faith. Wipe on, wipe off, try it. And as Jesus followers, we need the practice. Because receiving Jesus' teachings is a lot like taking in a poem, right? And it's not just with parables. In every narrative, we sense a deeper meaning behind what's being said. Take today's reading. I loved Paul's take on it. He always has a take, and I always love it. But we are in Luke chapter 5. And it says that, you know, Jesus' first teaching moment, really, it says that, People came to hear the word of God, that Jesus got into a boat, taught them. It goes on to say that the fishermen's nets were empty, then they were full, then they all went back to shore, then they left and decided to follow Jesus. On the surface, it's a story about how the disciples, some of the disciples, came to be disciples. But slow it down, take it in aloud and rhythmically, and ask yourself what you hear. Read it slowly, just as you would a poem. Go home and try it this week. Receive it with a posture that is open and ready. So the text says that they came to hear the word of God. They came to hear the word of God, and Jesus taught. He said, cast your nets in deeper water. Cast your nets in deeper water. And their nets, once empty, broke open from fullness. The boat itself could not hold the abundance. And they were amazed. So amazed they left it all behind and followed Jesus. They came to hear the word of God. Jesus taught. He said, cast your nets in deeper water. And their nets, once empty, broke open from fullness. The boat itself could not hold the abundance. And they were amazed. So they followed Jesus. What deeper truths do you hear when you read it slowly, like you would a poem? What truths speak to your own heart, to your season of life right now? 
Poetry can help us transform the way we take in Scripture because it gives us permission to be creative, to hear the biblical narrative in new ways. It gives us permission to read it aloud, to read it aloud to ourselves, to listen to it read aloud by someone else, to write down what we heard and then read that, to meditate on imagery, to imagine sights and sounds and smells and tastes, to tune into the wonder and the mystery. Read the Bible as you would a poem, and it will transform the way you take it in. And seeing as how the Bible is the primary tool for how we understand God and the world, how we take it in is kind of important. Because when we read the Bible, we learn about the redemptive thread woven through it, the message of God's good love extended to all, no exceptions. This living love is embodied through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. This is our story. We say it again and again every week in so many ways. And so we read the Bible again and again because we want to know about Jesus. We want to know how to follow in his way. But we also read the Bible because we want to know who we are, right? We are all searching for identity all the time. And we find it on this ultimate level as a child of God. Because the Spirit of God dwells in us, and we are compelled to be in communion with God. In this communion, we know a sense of home, a sense of purpose that goes with us everywhere, in our highest highs and our lowest lows. And we want more and more of it. We want more and more communion with God, this divine presence that sustains us in our everyday lives. So what do we do? We pray. We pray through our words, of course, but also through our daily rituals turned into intention. We pray through mindfulness and through our actions of service and giving. We pray through worship, through song and meditation. We offer prayer upon prayer of gratitude. Every time we're overwhelmed by the beauty of nature or the gift of new life or whatever else it is that is utterly beautiful and true, we pray. We pray in so many ways and poetry is a vehicle for prayer because past what we're able to verbalize about our deepest needs and wants is poetry. And so is also prayer. Poetry is the art of making space for words and feelings beyond reason, words that travel beyond the ear, even beyond the mind to the heart and the soul. This is prayer. Poetry breathes new life into us and the world around us. This is prayer. Poetry acts as a catalyst for self-awareness and healing. So does prayer. I think about all of the poems we heard this morning, and what I heard was prayer. Lament, praise, supplication, sustenance. They were someone else's words, and yet they were our words too. This is prayer. And poetry, like prayer, like scripture, like the life of faith, doesn't escape reality. Instead, it hunkers down in the midst of it, inspects it up close, holds both the joys and pains of life and tension. And this is a gift. And the other gift is that it gives us 
the opportunity to remember to be present to the moment right in front of us. There is beauty here. God is with us now. And this moment, with you few people here who braved the rain and cold, this moment is enough. And so I want to end with a poem, a really short one, and it's called Enough. And it's written by David White from Where Many Rivers Meet. Enough. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, this sitting here. This opening to life we have refused again and again until now. Until now. Amen.